What I do want to talk to you about is what happened a week ago, actually less than a week ago. On Monday, your church board had a meeting. And I know board meeting sounds kind of boring, but your church leaders decided to clear the agenda last week to do some visioning and some dreaming, to spend their time uh, together just thinking about our life together as church. I kicked things off by telling them that I was going to ask a question. And after I asked the question, I was going to be quiet for the rest of the meeting uh, and, uh, and hear what they had to say. And you know what? I actually did it, didn't I, Paul? Now, now, now don't worry. I'm not going to do that this morning. Uh, you'd feel shortchanged. I know you came looking for a sermon and I just asked a question and sit down. Uh, how unfair that would be. So, so we're going to keep going. But I began with this question. If we were starting a church from scratch in today's Norwalk, Iowa, what would, what should this church look like? What kind of church would our community need? And then I was quiet. And your leaders, the board of this church, started talking, and they didn't need any prompting. Things just started flying across the table. This is what I heard. They said that our church should be a hub for the community, a place where one could go to discover God. That it should be a church that was giving, loving, and accepting of all. A church that was open and flexible. A church that went to where people were and did not just expect people to come to where we were. It should be a church that was okay with what we would call the gray areas of life. That realized that things are not always black and white and sometimes you have more questions than you do answers. It should be a church that was not judgmental, where everyone was welcomed and loved as they were. And it should especially be a church where people who were young, teenagers, those who may feel unsafe at church, maybe because of prior experiences, that it could be a church where they would find love and acceptance too. It should be a church that had opportunities outside of Sunday morning worship for small groups to come together, study scripture, study Christian life together, share life together. A place where there'd be multiple connection points in our life, where people at different stages of life could connect with people in those same stages and find common ground. And someone mentioned our NCC coffee cups and the slogan on them that says, and we were a little confused, so we had to look at the coffee cup to remind ourselves of what it said, sharing the journey together. That's what we should be about. It should be a church that not only shared the journey together among ourselves, but also cared about people in our community. People who didn't have a church home, that we should find creative ways to welcome them, invite them, to follow up with people who visit us, but also introduce us to new people moving into town who may not even enter our church. And perhaps, most importantly, at least in my mind, they began to talk about the kind of leaders that such a church would need. A group of committed disciples who didn't just administer the business of the church, but we're constantly visioning and finding new ways to expand ministry and deepen our life together. That these leaders shouldn't do all the work of church, but should find ways to encourage everyone in the church to use their own gifts in service and ministry, and to always be stepping aside and bringing other people into places of leadership. These leaders should lead and model a willingness to try new things, to experiment for the sake of the gospel, To never let fear of failure or fear of success keep them from doing things that may be new or different or out of the box. 
That was our hour-long discussion in a nutshell, and it was an energizing conversation, one that we hope as a board, as uh, leaders of the church, uh, hope to one day soon this summer include you in, but more on that later. But as I listened, I was struck by the comments being made how much of what was said was describing the church that we already were, or at least the church we are when we are at our best. And I'll be honest, I didn't orchestrate this whole thing for a good sermon illustration. But the next day, I'm sitting in my church office and read the text that Andy just read to us. And there it was in Mark chapter 1, the church that we talked about on Monday. Except in Mark, it's not a church. It's a person. It's Jesus. Here we find in the story for the first time ever, Jesus going public with his ministry. And as he goes about the community, he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And everywhere he goes, he's calling people to that good news, to a new way of life. The things he does are the very things we say our church should be about. And right away, immediately, Mark says, people respond to what Jesus is saying. But the people who respond are not normal people, as we would call them, the kind of people you would gather together to build a great church. They are desperate people, people on the edges of society who have nowhere else to turn, people longing, waiting for years and years for hope. And when Jesus speaks, they come flocking to his message of love and welcome because it is the good news they've been waiting for. At first, it's a man with an unclean spirit, someone who would not even be welcomed in the temple, let alone someone that a religious leader would seek out. And yet Jesus heals this demon-possessed man. And word begins to spread through the whole community that here is this teacher who teaches things, but he teaches with authority. People are shocked. I don't know exactly what Mark means by that phrase, but to me it means that he not only says the good news, but he does it. He lives it out. He doesn't just preach it. He lives it. He is the kingdom of God come near. He is the healing of God in the flesh. He keeps going. They enter into the house of of, uh, his disciples, Simon and Andrew, and they meet Simon's mother-in-law who's sick with a fever, and he heals her. And then they go out, and the whole city begins to crowd around them, waiting at the door, pushing in on them, needing to be healed. And Jesus heals for several days and then decides to take the day off. Everybody needs a Sabbath break. And he goes to a quiet place, and he prays. And then what happens? Well, the phone starts ringing. The emails start coming. Peter's texting. Jesus, people are looking for you. Everyone is searching for you, they say. And Jesus' response, well, let's keep going to the neighboring towns, to city after city, for that is what I have come for, so that I may proclaim the good news, this message to them as well. And then from town to town to town, you can look on the ancient maps of Galilee, all around the Sea of Galilee, there's city after city, and Jesus goes to each one, and in each city, the response is the same. People come rushing, crowding to him. He meets a leper, and the leper asks, Lord, if you're willing, will you heal me? And Jesus says, I'm willing. He's moved with compassion by what he sees, and he heals him. But he tells him, don't tell anybody. But the leper's like that song we began our worship with. How can we keep from singing? He's happy. He he sings because he's happy, and he goes around the community telling everyone who healed him. So much so that Jesus can no longer freely enter a community. Because when he's there, they hear he's coming, and they're waiting for him, waiting to be touched by Jesus. 
Mark ends chapter 1 with that phrase, Jesus could no longer go into a town openly. And so he stayed out in the country. And people came to him from every quarter. Literally, the Greek there is that everyone from everywhere came to Jesus. Everyone from everywhere flocking to Jesus. Now, scholars suggest that the writer of our gospel, Mark, is not just writing a story to tell a good story, to sell books in the Christian bookstore, but he is a part of a community, a church like our own. And maybe he's a leader in that church. Maybe he's the pastor. And even though they were among the first Christians, they were struggling with the same thing we struggle with today. And that is, how do we make Jesus alive in our world today? And so in response to that question that Mark's board is wrestling with, He gives the church this story. He tells them this story of Jesus, this risky, messy Messiah who goes against the religious teachings of his day, who becomes flesh and blood, the message of the gospel living in his world. And Mark's belief is that if church, his church, would model what they see in this Jesus, then everyone from everywhere would flock to Jesus's good news. Now, here we are, almost 2,000 years later, still struggling with that same question. How do we make Jesus alive in our world today? And the time between then and now doesn't change the answer. To do, to be, to say, to live out what Jesus did. Now, I was quiet in our board meeting last week, but I'm going to say what I think now. So you, you didn't think I could be quiet. Preacher's privilege. The church we describe together. Really, we were describing Jesus as it should be. We were laying out a picture of a church that lives like Jesus lives, teaches what Jesus taught, treats people like Jesus treated people. And if we are that church, the assumption was that everyone from everywhere would flock to see Jesus responding to the good news proclaimed by this fellowship. And I believe that. With my whole heart, I believe it. And yet, it sounds easier than it is. Because it's easy to let so much get in the way, isn't it? The simple message of Christ is so simple, and yet we have a hard time with it. Mark's favorite word, as we've said in the gospel, is immediate, immediately. Jesus is always on the mood. The message is an immediate message. The time is fulfilled. It's happening now, Jesus says. It's easy now to lose that immediacy. When you're living in a comfortable world, attending a comfortable church, it's easy to forget the immediacy of the gospel. Instead, focus on the maintenance of an institution. But the church your leaders envisioned was a church that understands the immediacy of Christ's message, that people's lives today, now, in this moment, are being destroyed by the sicknesses of poverty and prejudice and fundamentalism, that families are in need of community, people to share life with, to be loved just as they are, somebody to walk beside them no matter what, that people are desperate in a world of bad news to hear something good, that God is changing the world and changing our lives. And if we are a community that is modeled after the healing, world-changing, wall-breaking, welcoming message of Christ, 
The Mark tells us that everyone from everywhere will come to experience that good news. You know what? I do have a question for you. I'm going to ask it, and I promise I'm going to sit down and be quiet. Do you believe this good news?